0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon.
1: Chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness For they kindled a fire and welcomed us, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island, who had diseases, also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. This is the word of God. So once again, we see the, the comparison continuing, right? So they arrive into this island. Remember, they had just a really treacherous uh, voyage. They thought that they were going to die. Paul gave them hope. Paul was the mediator of their deliverance. And now they've made it safely into this island. And they learned that the island is called malta and then the native people who were arguably not they were non-roman however they were not uh, barbarians or anything like that it was they were just simply the people that lived in the island they showed them unusual kindness they were they were very kind to them they welcomed them they kindled a fire uh it just imagine having been in a on on board of a ship that is about to be destroyed for multiple days and then imagine the storm the cold everything so these people were very nice very kind to them and so they started a fire but then we see that paul he is making himself useful and goes and grabs a bundle of sticks but as he is taking them into the fire the snake that is you know startled by the by the fire comes out and bites him And so this part is uh, it's pretty humorous in that <laughs> the, I, I, I can imagine the natives just kind of like seeing like very entertained, just kind of like, all right, yeah, he's, he's going to die in a little bit, you know, just just a few more minutes, a few more minutes, and then eventually he's like, what's happening? Why, why, why is nothing happening to this guy? And so they change their minds, right? When he is bitten by the snake, they're like, oh, well, since, you know, he, he, was he made it alive through this storm. So now Justice, who was the Greek goddess of, of retribution and justice and all that stuff, they think, oh, you know, the, the goddess Justice is going to take care of him through this snake. But when they see that nothing happens to him, they change their minds about him. First, they thought of him as a murderer, as a murder, murderer. And they thought of him as, a, as, a, as an evil person, as a wicked man, but they changed their minds and they think of him as a God. Well, once again, here is a comparison to Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was crucified as a murderer. He was crucified as, as a wicked man. When he was being crucified, people were mocking him. People were glad that this was happening to him. Even more, when he was being crucified, it was a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 that the snake would bite the heel of Jesus, of the Messiah. And so, in a sense, we could say that Jesus was bitten by the snake and in a sense, we could say that Jesus, or, or sorry, that the snake, that Satan, the enemy, probably thought, hey, look at what I just done. Look at this victory of mine. And so at his death, people thought the worst of Jesus. But what happened at Jesus' resurrection? People, people's minds were changed. All of a sudden, he went from being this person that deserved death to being this person that was vindicated by God through his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection was God saying, this is my son, this is my appointed Messiah, this is God himself. And so once again, we see the comparison. We see people seeing Paul being bitten by the snake, just like Jesus was bitten by the snake at the crucifixion. But just like Jesus shook off the snake into the fire, Paul shakes off the snake into the fire. And when he, quote, tricks death, people change their mind about him. And they think he's a god. Obviously, we know Paul was not a god. Earlier, other people have thought that he was a god, and he told them, he he corrected them. In this case, we don't know why he didn't correct them. Um, He probably did, but maybe Luke just decided not to put it here in order to draw this comparison with Paul and his ministry and the ministry of Jesus. And then we see that he went into the house of this guy, Publius, and he healed his, fa- his father. And this, again, reminds us of Jesus going into the house of Peter and healing his mother-in-law. And after he healed Jesus, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, it says that all the people of that region came to Jesus and were healed by him. And so, in the same way, we see that after Paul healed Publius's father, then the, entire, the people from the island, all the people that were sick on the island, they came to Paul and they were healed. And so once again, we see that Paul's ministry is an image of the ministry of Jesus. So what is the point of all of this? Why, why am I mentioning this? Or even, even a deeper question, why is Luke including all of this? Why is Luke doing this? Well, in a sense, I already answered the question because Luke's point for the book of Acts is to show us that the ministry of Jesus continues. But I think that the lesson for us here is that just as the presence of Paul, just as the life and ministry of Paul reflected the life and ministry of Jesus, our presence... Our experience, our lives, our ministries, they should reflect the life and ministry of Jesus. When we are at work, people should look at us, and, and maybe they don't know Jesus, but they should look that there is something different with us. When we are parenting our children, we need to make sure that the way that we behave Is a way that shows the glory of Christ. We need to make sure that the way that we parent, that the way that we treat our spouse, that the way we work, our work work ethic, children, that the way we obey our parents shows Christ's obedience to the Father. That the way we love our spouse shows Christ's love for the church. That the way we speak about the gospel shows Christ's boldness about proclaiming the kingdom of God. That the way we love people shows Christ's love and mercy toward the people. So this is a huge responsibility that we have here. We as disciples of Jesus, we as members of the church have the calling to continue Jesus' ministry here on earth.
0: Now, how are we going to be able to do
1: this? I mean, this is a huge task. Well, let's think about Jesus' defeat of death. Let's think about Jesus' defeat of Satan. Let's think about how Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. So, just like Paul shakes off the serpent into the fire we know that Jesus has defeated the enemy and we know that in the end, when he comes to establish his kingdom, we know that he will send the serpent, the ancient serpent, Satan, into the lake of fire. We know that Jesus has defeated death by, by, by raising from the dead. And we should know, like Paul that Jesus' death and resurrection has a, have deep implications for our lives. Paul understood that his life was not his own. Remember what he told them uh, when he was on the boat in, in chapter 27, verse 23. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong. So Paul understood that he didn't belong to himself, but he belonged to God. He understood that his life was God's. He understood that he had been bought by the blood of Jesus and he belonged to God. What does that mean? That you don't get to do what you want to do. Rather, you have to do and you get to do what God wants you to do because he is your master. Because you belong to him. And Paul also understood that the death and resurrection of Jesus had a deep and infinite impact on his own life. Notice what he told the Galatians in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you profess to have faith in Jesus, the life that you're living right now is not your own. It is Jesus' life, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of these people in the book of Acts Stephen who was willing to die for the sake of Jesus, Paul that was in, uh, Peter that was imprisoned for the sake of Jesus Paul that uh, stood before many councils and, and Roman authorities, Paul who went through this storm actually through many storms we learn, we learn in Corinthians that he actually went through many storms uh, Many ship, she, he, he actually went through many shipwrecks. He endured a lot of things. We learn that he endures those things because he understands that when Christ was crucified, he was crucified with Christ, and he understands that when Christ rose again, he rose with him and received a new life. And so, brothers and sisters, everything that we do In this life should be done under the assumption that our lives are not our own. Should be done with the understanding that when when Christ died, we died with him. And when he rose again, we received a new life. And now the life that we live, we live it in Christ. We live it by faith in the Son of God. Remember that Jesus defeated the enemy. Remember that Jesus was risen from the dead. Remember that Jesus was uh, uh, seated at the right hand of God. Remember that Jesus was given all authority. He told his disciples, all authority has been given to me. Also remember that Jesus was appointed as the head of the church, right? Remember what it says in Ephesians 2, it says that Jesus has been raised from the dead and has been seated at God's right right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God has put all things under Jesus' feet and has given him as the head over all things to the church." which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we can live in a way that we picture Christ, that we show Christ, that we display him, because Christ has full authority over this world, over the universe. We live as a church in such a way that display the glory of Christ because Christ is the head of the church and because the church is his body. But we need to make sure that we are good representatives of Christ. We need to make sure that we are good members of the body of Christ.
0: We need to make sure that when people look at
1: Christ, they don't see that he has a, a, a broken arm. We need to make sure that when people look at Jesus, he, he, he is not missing an eye. What am I trying to say with this? I, I mean, if we are the members of Christ, if we are the members of the body of Christ, we need to reflect the beauty of Christ. We need to reflect the
0: glory of Christ of Christ. Now, one more thing.
1: One of the things that, that we notice is that this last section has focused on Paul's journey to Rome. Right? And sometimes Luke, when he wants to just save some time in ink and paper... And just wants to tell us, you know, they sailed from here to here. I mean, he, he knows how to do that. He's really good at telling you they went through this city and this city and this city, this port, this places, and they arrived to their destination. Well, not so in this case. He doesn't just say, and they sailed from Caesarea and they arrived in Rome. He doesn't even just go and say, and Paul went to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem went to Rome. No, he takes a lot of time showing us all the trials and all the setbacks and all the sufferings that Paul went through in order to get to Rome. And so why is he doing this? Well, I think he is doing this because he knows and he wants us to know that being disciples of Jesus, that being pictures of Jesus means that we will experience suffering and setbacks. And trials, and so we need to be prepared for those. And I think that the best way that we can be prepared for those is by knowing that these setbacks, these sufferings, these trials are not accidental. But rather, they are the life of our Messiah being lived in us. So notice, for example, the attitude of Paul towards suffering. In Colossians 1.24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Notice, Paul is seeing his own suffering as completing the sufferings and the afflictions of Jesus. He is seeing that when he suffers, he is suffering basically, pretty much on, on behalf of the Messiah. In Philippians 3.8-11, uh, he says, I, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share, listen to this, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul doesn't see these sufferings and setbacks and trials as a waste of time. He doesn't see them as hindrances towards his ultimate goal to go and preach the gospel in Rome and eventually make it to Spain. No. He sees these trials as part of his ministry. He sees these trials as living for Christ. He understands that God is sovereign. God is the king of the universe. And he understands that it is because of God's will that he is stuck in the middle of that storm. And he understands that it is because of God's will that he is in Malta, of all places. Malta is like way out of the way to go to Rome. But he understands That that's where God wants him to be at the time. And he understands that when he is suffering, that's what God wants him to be going through for the sake of the people that will be saved. And so, brothers and sisters, when we go through suffering, when we have a goal in mind, but the the road is very rocky, the voyage is very tempestuous, we need to remember that. None of this is outside of God's control. We need to remember that this is not; these are not even hindrances to his will. We need to remember that this is his path for us. And so we need to walk in this path remembering that it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives. We need to walk through these afflictions and through these difficulties in a way that when people see us suffering, they see Christ suffering. But that when, we, when they see the deliverance from God, that they see Christ defeating the enemy. That they see Christ shaking off the serpent into the fire. So let us not waste our sufferings or our setbacks. Rather, let's use them as opportunities to glorify Christ, to imitate him, to partake in his suffering. That our lives would look like his, that we would be pictures of Christ. That our ministry on earth would be the continuation of his May we reflect the beauty and the glory of Christ with our lives, with our behavior. May people see the love, the boldness, the passion, the mercy, the patience, and the power of Christ
0: in us, in his church. Let's pray. God thank you
1: for Thank you for the opportunity the humbling opportunity to partake in the ministry of your son Jesus.
0: This is such an undeserved privilege.
1: We thank you God that you defeated the serpent that you crushed the head of the serpent, and that you will throw the enemy into the lake of fire. We thank you that we get to share in, your, in the sufferings of your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, that we belong to you. Lord, I pray that you give us grace to live lives that reflect the glory of your son, Jesus. That when our children look at us, they would see Christ. That they w- when our co-workers see the way we work, they would see Christ. That when our neighbors talk with us, they would hear the words of Christ. That when we are alone in the midst of temptation, that we would behave like Christ.
0: Please give us the boldness of Christ, his mercy, his love. Please help us to live by the power of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's remember...